Ooh, this is AOK Radio, your go-to place for a little escape. Inner child, current child, adults, come on down for an easy listen. This is I Escape signing off. Whoever and wherever you are, welcome. The escape begins right now. Okay, so that that's a thing, apparently. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, so everything will be recorded, so whatever, um, if we decide to keep whatever we talk about or whatever, good old Craig is in the building. <laughs> Fantastic. Hopefully this comes out okay, because I have no idea how this is going to output or if I oh, have to, yeah. like, find Craig somewhere where he's in the matrix and find him and maybe defeat him in battle. I have no idea. <laughs> you will get your file. When I say you get your file in vicious battle combat, if you will, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, so you were thinking about doing the, the hotel thing legitimately. Yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, money is obviously an issue, but uh, eventually, I would I would love to try it. At the very least, just not being in a place where I have access to television and games and everything else. You know, I I, I need a way to step outside all of that, get away from distractions. And it's not that I'm an easily distracted person like I was telling you earlier. It's a matter of I would rather literally do anything else other than write. Uh, and it's not because I hate storytelling or anything. I, I love it. It's just the actual physical act of sitting down pen to paper or finger to keyboard or whatever bores me to no end. It's torturous to sit down and force myself to actually write when I don't want to. And unfortunately, I do have a deadline coming up, and so <laughs> I I need to get to it. And this is for the, the Star Wars story you're thinking of, correct? Or is this something else? Yeah, so uh, Austin, at a Star Wars editor, um, he has commissioned me to write a horror piece. Well, actually, he he commissioned me to write any uh, story, really, and I had an idea for a horror piece. Um, and so I've got all the characters, and I've got the events and everything, but I can't write the darn thing. Oof. Yeah, I can understand that, because horror is definitely tricky. Especially with, um, well, I, I guess with Star Wars, there's a lot of scary things I can think of right off the bat that you can use. But I can imagine that using the right, using it in the right way, that it makes sense in the universe and to correlate with the story that you personally want to tell, I'd imagine would be quite uh, problematic. Yeah. It, it's and it's just writing in general. I've always yeah. had a rough time with the act of writing. It's it's no fun for me. Um, 
And uh, apparently I'm not alone, like I was telling you earlier. Ian Fleming, uh, his whole thing was he hated writing. But in order to finish a James Bond book in two weeks, he would check into a hotel in a place that he didn't really like. Um, so he wouldn't be tempted to go out onto the town in a hotel room that he didn't like, so he wouldn't be tempted to enjoy the hotel. And basically his only out was to finish whatever story he was working on. Um, Neil Gaiman has a similar approach to his writing, where he will go out to his gazebo and... He basically says, I can either sit here and write, or I can do nothing. Those are the two things he allows himself to do. Um, and eventually, writing becomes more appealing than not writing. So, forcing yourself to get into the mood and enjoy it um, by not giving yourself other things to do. Because... I would rather be doing literally anything else. Washing the dishes, mowing the lawn, organizing books, <laughs> uh, making going, memes, just anything. Going to the DMV. Yeah, honestly, I would... Well, actually, that's a reminder. I do need to go to the DMV because my <laughs> license expires Are November. So, uh, this is not another reason to, to skip out on writing. I wish, but uh, every time <laughs> I get carded for drinks, uh, the the server's always like, oh, you know, your license is about to expire. And I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> while I'm at it, I need to get an updated debit card because that's also about to expire. So these are good reminders. This is all just a, I guess, a laundry list of things that I need to do. <laughs> well it's always good to have those because that type of stuff can really slip your mind until it's too late when you really need to use it and it's like oh great I, I can't use this now <laughs> yep so, so when it comes to the act of actually writing um, just to make sure I have this nailed on the head with how it's um, how it is with you in particular so it's not like you were saying too, it's not necessarily the story. It's creating it, putting it all pen to paper, word for word, just getting yeah. it fully um, explained. I should say. Yes, getting okay. it, getting the story realized. Because in my yeah. head, everything is perfectly clear. Um. Ooh, air conditioner is coming on. Let me turn that off real quick. Otherwise, it's going to sound horrible. Oh, gotcha. For prospective listeners, uh, Nick has stepped away to turn off his AC, although that should be abundantly clear. I'm just trying to make sure that there's no <laughs> dead space. I appreciate that. Great series, by the way. But um, yeah, it, it probably won't really be a huge deal when I um, clean it up in Audacity, but just in case, because usually gotcha. when I stream, I keep the air conditioner on and people say it's not really mm. an issue, but doing streams and podcasting is different, so. Right. Okay. And I've learned that typically most people like to have it just 
the talking, you know, not having really much background noise, like like uh, music, for instance. A lot of my earlier episodes, I thought that was cool. And as I started to get more involved and got more listeners, I started thinking, eh, maybe if I try this, it may be better, it may right. sound more professional. Now, I'm not getting anyone who still does that. I still hear plenty of podcasts that have that, but I figure until someone says otherwise, maybe I'll just stick with the, the quiet tones. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. So, uh, how do you stay motivated? I, I mean, I don't, you know, you said that you were you sometimes um, loathed to write, depending on your mood. Yeah, it, I, I dip between wanting to write and then feeling like, dude, I could write like the whole novel right now. Let's go. Um, it kind of depends on what I'm currently, what, what, what kind of stuff am I feeding my brain? <laughs> um, whether it's like playing a game, watching a movie, whatever. And whenever I go through that stuff, the stuff that usually inspires me, I go I, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to experience this for a little bit. Like if I'm playing like Mass Effect or something, I'll just go, okay. I'm going to finish this level. I'm inspired again. I'm going to write like a, at least a couple paragraphs or something and um, go from there. But there are some times where unfortunately I'll have this moment where I'm at this point and I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to write this action scene right now because the perfectionist in me comes out where I'm like, I need to write this where people will be on the edge of their seat and just really into it i don't think i have that mental capability to really write all that stuff right now to make it as um just the best it can be whereas right i may skip to somewhere else where i'm just describing a, a really slow paced scene maybe there's just some dialogue going so what usually helps me is even if i don't feel like writing a certain scene I'll try writing it a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll write some of the more simpler stuff, maybe just an outline in the, in the actual document, just so I can jot down what I, some major points I, I know I really want to happen. And then maybe I'll want to keep writing, but not just that scene. I'll, I'll just progress later on and I'll highlight that so I don't forget that I have this <laughs> unfinished piece. And then I'll just go back later on um, when I feel more inspired, more compelled to write it, which sometimes doesn't necessarily happen as fast as I want to. But that's when I kind of push myself to just, even if I have to keep going back to it um, and just doing some extra things, maybe I, th I thought of like a cool fight scene or action scene that I saw or even played. And I'm like, okay, maybe adding a scene kind of like that would be really cool and go from there. Um, another thing that helps me uh, that connects to that is also writing um, in a second in a separate document a outline. So so I kind of that another issue that I have is um, being overwhelmed with the lore, keeping track of all the characters, all that stuff. So what kind of helps me um, not feel as overwhelmed is I'll have a separate document that'll be things that I want to happen in the in this story or maybe in this chapter and keep it there so it's not always in my head and it's not 
in the actual document that I'm writing. So it's a little more organized and I can always reference back to it. Now, um, for something like that, uh, do you use uh, a spreadsheet or an actual table or is it just uh, points on a, you know, a standard Word doc? Right. Uh, usually I just keep it like just with points, just simple like that. Okay. Um, usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll usually try um, to have it on my monitor on my desktop and I'll just have both of them, both of the docs side by side and do it that way. Gotcha. So that way I could just look back and forth. Okay. But if I'm like on my phone, um, sometimes I'll just like take a snapshot of it. That way, I don't have to keep exiting in and out of the document because then you have to refresh everything. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm tired of doing this. So I'll do it that way, for instance. Um, but yeah, I usually just use the points. Uh, just have like random things that I think would want to happen. Like, oh, this character should blow up <laughs> something. You know, something stupid yeah. to more thought out uh, descriptions of this character's reasoning for doing this is because of that. It, it, it ranges, but I always make sure that I just write that stuff down and I try to keep it in order, but sometimes it just like, I, I bounce between different points in my story a lot from going back to what I already wrote, even if I think it's finished to going um, further in the book to than where I am now. But it's, it's just my messy uh, method to my madness, I guess. There's a method to my madness, I should say, and that's what works best for me. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of scatterbrained as well when it comes to writing things down. Uh, writing linear is very difficult for me. Um, so currently for my book trilogy, I already have a scene from the third book from the end of the third book going while I haven't even finished my first one, which isn't probably great, but... You know, the, <laughs> when the story's solidified up there, I guess in the editing room, then things can get shuffled around or deleted or whatever as need be. Um, it's always <laughs> better to write too much than too little, and then you can trim away some of the fat. Um, That's perfect, actually. I have a really good example of that. So, uh, long story short, hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> Um, so my original first story that spawned this whole thing that I'm making now was called Inked Kingdom. And it's still, there's still a story called that, and it's going to be pretty similar, but it started off like that. As I started making the characters, uh, this Wonderland based story, um, I started to realize this is a nice point to start in the story. But there's, as I'm developing this timeline, creating these characters that connect to the main cast, I'm thinking, okay, there's all this backstory that I want to do too. And now I'm thinking, maybe it'll make more sense if I start there first, make these characters that are coming in more interesting, and then just go down the line like I see other stories. Like usually, you know, you see stories that start from the beginning. Unless they think of, oh yeah, this prequel would be kind of cool because this character is a fan favorite. Let's tell their story, unless it's something like that, and go from there. So now, Inked Kingdom is, what is it, the third? Third book? Wait, no, is it the second one? Nope, it's the second book in my series now, but it's it's changed 
a lot because I've written so much um, during that time and then afterwards. And the current story that I'm doing, Odd Company, started off as a, uh, a short, it was supposed to be a mini series, a little audio book I was doing um, as a, in podcast form, episodic like that. And I, I was trying to challenge myself and have like a, a chapter or half a chapter weekly. And as I started doing that, I'm thinking, okay, this story is getting way too complex to do that <laughs> on my schedule. Like if this was my job, then yes, this would be manageable, but that wasn't manageable <laughs> with my position. So um, I was writing stuff, but I'm like, it's getting messy. I'm rushing plots and all this stuff. I need time to let it cook a little bit. I'm, I'm, I felt personally like I was putting out story bits that were raw and it just, you know, you don't want to have raw meat, at least not completely raw meat. You know, some people like their medium rare and all that stuff that this was just, everything's pink. Not even the outer edges I, of the meat is cooked yet. <laughs> um, so I had like about a hundred pages written of this story and I took it and put it into, just repurposed it into what I have now, which is currently sitting at about 400 plus pages. And I'm almost caught up to where I've written, but I had to delete a lot of what I wrote originally because I thought, nah, that doesn't make sense. Nah, that's, I don't want that anymore. But I still was able to keep about 60 of those pages. But yeah, okay. it's just trying to make sure everything fits. And so taking a piece that was like originally three fourths into the story ended up being like the beginning of the current story. So it's just crazy how things can change. But that's another important thing too, is even if you don't think a story element works, you know, hold on to it, put it to the side and see how your story develops. And maybe you can use it at a later point, which is what I did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've heard the advice that even if you don't like where a story's going, kind of shelve it and then let it let it sit and maybe you'll come up with different ideas, spin it off into its own thing or you know, if you never touch it, then you never touch it, that's fine. But uh it's always good to have stuff in your writer's closet, so to speak. Um Oh, now yeah. I, I I know uh, both of us use Google Docs for our writing purposes. Um, do the you Holy still Grail. have a? <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's pretty nice. Although for my computer, for whatever reason, I can't like copy and paste. Uh, yeah, I don't. Well, I I, I do Control V. Like I, I'm able to like cut it, but it won't allow method. me to paste it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't understand, but you know, I, I mean, I do most of my writing on my phone for whatever reason. But uh, it, it's it's been obnoxious when I'm trying to get stuff done on my laptop. Um, like if I'm just letting my phone charge or I want to feel keys beneath my fingers. Um, oh my. Haven't been a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> haven't been a huge fan of of the computer version of google docs um but do you still keep a physical notebook on hand like a small little 
notebook to jot down thoughts or ideas or things like that? Well, that's something I haven't done for a while. I used to do that all the time at my previous jobs where, um, like one job, for instance, I worked at a bank and well, actually, no, I, well, I worked at a bank, but I was in the mail room and they did not permit phones in there. So even though most of us, you know, had our phones on us still, <laughs> like to listen to music and stuff, because we were allowed to, you know, listen to MP3s, um, MP3 players, excuse me. Um, you know, you weren't able to have your phone out. So I, right. um, jobs like that and previous ones, I always had a notepad on me and always jot it down. But of course, this was before I discovered Google Docs. Um, so ever since then, since I've had access to it on all my devices, um, from, I mean, I have it on all my devices, from my phone, tablet, and computer, that's what I usually do now, um, especially since my current job uh, heavily relies on us using our phones, so it's always with me. And um, sometimes what I'll do is, I, I don't really do it too often, but if I need to have a quick note real quick and I don't have time to actually write it, I'll open up the voice recorder and just talk for a second. Mainly because if you use <laughs> if you use voice to text, especially with me, it just jumbles almost everything I say. I have to yep. talk. I have to just enunciate everything slowly. And even then, yeah. it'll be like, you said pig, right? No, I said boat. Where did you get pig from? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I've I've also tried voice to text, but given that the majority of my work is with uh, science fiction properties like Star Wars, um, you know, no matter how good your your voice recognition is, when you say things like the Rusan Reformations or a species like uh, Gamorians or something like that, it doesn't always pick it up and so you have to be really careful um even with my google docs i've had to train it to say uh you know certain words rather than others which has also bitten me in the butt because i've gone to type up certain words um and done typos and because i guess it's it's just used to being ignored it just doesn't recommend any fixes anymore for that unless it's like grammatical stuff <laughs> um, oh one other thing too is I will occasionally use the notepad app on my phone in case I don't have time to really like open up google docs navigate through right. you know all the docs I have to find the right one to leave the note um, so I'll do that and now every so often I have to go through my notes and be like okay did I did I make a note about this? Where is it? So fortunately, there's a search feature on there. But yeah, I'm, st I'm still navigating through that so I can convert all the plot points and stuff I have randomly on there to the uh, the documents for the plots for all the for for the main two stories I'm working on right now. Okay. Um, you know, thinking about it, I think something that might be beneficial for me uh just to keep distractions to a minimum is maybe a portable typewriter. Uh, because even, even with a laptop or with a phone, I have internet access. And so if I, <laughs> should I find myself in a position where 
I'm I'm getting bored with writing. I might be scrolling through Instagram or shopping on Amazon or just looking stuff up. Yeah. And that's that's not conducive to writing. Um and a typewriter might force me to actually write things down. And I'd say I'd write it down in a notebook. Unfortunately, my handwriting is uh chicken scratch is calling it uh <laughs> gen it, it calling it chi- chicken scratch is generous. Um <laughs> It's my handwriting is is abysmal, so something like a, a portable typewriter I think would be good. Um, and then just having physical reference books on hand for things like uh, events and stuff like that, or having a preloaded uh, like PDF on onto something, but not connecting it to the internet might be helpful. I don't know. Right. Um, Have you tried? Um... This actually just literally came to my head. So if that is the case with distractions, which makes sense, because sometimes what I would do is I'll go out to the park or something. I haven't done this in a while, but um, because then if you do that, like I um, what I would do is I would bring my tablet with me and I have a Bluetooth keyboard. So I would just go out to a, a bench and, you know, preferably one with a table and uh, do it that way. And usually there's no Wi-Fi unless you're close to like a little restaurant, which some of the spots where I would go would be. But if that was the case, I would just turn off, I would turn off, um, what's it called? The Wi-Fi on my tablet. Mm-hmm. And for a little bit, I would, I would set a timer or something and just put do not disturb on my phone for a little bit and do that just in case. And that's worked out. That's worked for me a few times. But the the I know the keyboard, the Bluetooth keyboard, can be an issue sometimes because of the size of it. Yeah. But I've really enjoyed it. I don't often type on that, honestly. But it's been it's been refreshing whenever I just want to be away from okay. indoors. Yeah. Um. That's another thing. I, I I've been wanting to go to like a coffee shop, and and write right, um, preferably something like uh, Caterpillar Cafe, um, just because it's local. It's right next to Adventures Underground. I like the vibe of the store. They have a bunch of loose leaf teas that uh, are pretty good. Um, I've but, been meaning to go there too. Actually, I keep forgetting about it. Yeah, unfortunately, due to COVID, a lot of places, at least uh, relatively recently, have remained closed indoors for indoor seating. Um, That being said, I haven't checked in a while. Uh, I've been meaning to do that. I might do that tomorrow. In fact, um, just checking out other locations because, you know, going outside right now is... uh, (laughs) It's a bit toasty. It's a bit warm. And <laughs> with Oregon kind of being on fire right now, we're getting a lot of smoke <laughs> and crap drifting oh, up. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Jeez. Um, it, there was a, when we were down for a art show in Bend, uh, the Bend Summerfest, uh, this would have been last week, um, there was a large fire and it started sort of drifting um, up as we were leaving and 
Yeah, if you look in the sky right now, well, not right now, it's dark, but if you look in the sky, <laughs> it's a bit hazy, a bit uh, smoky, and that just means that the summer fires have started for the Pacific Northwest, which, if it's going to be anything like the last three years, uh, it's going to be rough. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's another downside, too, is how the hot it's been and even the wind it's like just the it, it's almost at the point where you're opening an oven door and you just get that heat wave just slapping you right in the face not even not even a not even a regular smack it's like a backhand with a ring on one of the fingers maybe even all the fingers depending on where you are but yeah it it, it is it is definitely brutal Trying to think of another good thing to try. Um, oh man, it was at the tip of my tongue. Now I, I, I literally just forgot what it was. Oh, oh, right, right. The um, the thing. So with the cafe, I was at Adventures Underground, I believe, a month ago. Okay. And I want to say they were open, but I'm not sure if the the seating was available. Okay. And odds are, if so, they'd probably be on another like thirty-minute uh, rotation, like the store right. I believe still is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know if anybody is going to end up listening to this, but we have a sweet little uh, local comic shop, uh, sort of um, an all-purpose geekery. They've got books and comics and board games and really anything that your mind could. Uh, imagine as far as uh, nerd culture, um, but connected to it, there's a little cafe, and uh, it's it's a pretty sweet little spot. Um, they've got records and teas and coffees, and you can sit and write or play music, do whatever. Um, it's a it's a nice hangout spot, which uh, we are very lucky to have, um, especially so close to us. Oh yeah, I love that spot. It's a shame I don't go there as often as I. Uh, I keep forgetting about it some days because you know, day in and day out, it's like, oh man, I gotta do this, gotta do this. You sometimes yeah. forget to just go out for a little bit and uh, soak in the uh, the gloriousness. And surprisingly, I have never tried doing that before. And I was actually I'm watching uh, the Pixar documentary on Disney Plus called Inside Pixar, and there were a couple of those episodes where a few of the artists that they interviewed would go to a shop, for instance, just going out and about. Uh, where literally one of the ladies was saying how she'll just walk and she'll have no destination to mind. She'll just walk in her city. And at one point she went in a coffee shop, just, you know, uh, looked around at the people, drew them and, just a, such a nice environment. And yeah, even with COVID, it, unfortunately, that's not something that, I mean, it's getting a little better, like you were saying, but still a lot of places are kind of like either rotation or seating's just not available at all, even if you can go indoors. Last time I checked, I believe Barnes & Noble might be doing that. Because I think I was in oh, there actually recently. Okay. But... I'm pretty sure I saw some people actually able to sit down. And plus, a lot of more people are 
saying that you don't even have to wear your mask or anything like that if you're vaccinated. They're like being more. I know some places are still like, no, we don't care. Keep that mask on. Yeah. Um, especially if they're smaller stores, which makes absolute sense. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out just to see if they'll allow you to sit down. Um, cause that actually, that, that, that's a good environment. Just being around books, just being around all these different stories. And I think that's another good example too, is motivation, especially if you want to have something to help you motivate you, um, writing. One of the best ways, um, outside of what I was saying before, like the games and movies and stuff is the element finding a book of yours that you really like and just reading through it, maybe a couple pages and just examine how they write. And thinking about it, if that's the right kind of style you want to do, or even if not, just examine the writing and you're bound to get something from that, whether it's the, the style they do or how they describe something and go from there. That's what I've actually done a lot, even with audiobooks. That's something that's really helped me with fleshing out certain aspects of my, uh, whatever I write in general. Okay. But also surrounding yourself in that environment, I feel, is something I haven't done in a very long time. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm practically kicking myself for not wanting to, or for not, not, not wanting. That's um, instead actually for um, not looking into it a lot sooner, I should say, even before the whole, uh, the whole COVID thing. Right. And do you find that being uh, in different places, even, you know, if it's a place you live, just being in um, a space that's more artistic, more creative, more um, open to these new ideas, do you think that helps with your writing very much or have you not noticed much of a change definitely every time i'm in an art store or bookstore even a gaming store honestly i wish there were um i wish there were more stores like uh, what's it called underground no oh adventures underground Nah, the uh, Sunken Treasures. Game. Oh, Sunken Treasures, uh, yes. Yeah. The game shop. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a. So for that store, for those who don't know, it's a. It's actually in the same block, I believe, in the same shopping center as Adventure mm-hmm. Underground. Yep. Uptown. And it's a, it's a gaming store. So there's vintage games, new games, everything in there. And in the back. They have often have like these tournaments and stuff like Smash Brothers tournament tournaments tournaments. There we go, and uh, <laughs> and I'm not sure what else they do. I've only been there a few times, but just being in an environment like that, if you're a gamer, um, I would I'd imagine that would be really inspiring. But going in, into these places, even if I have no plans on buying anything, and even if I walk out not buying anything, I still felt great going into that environment just looking around at all these things that exist and there are times when i just want to pass the time and i just go into there just to just to browse see what's new and yeah every time especially when i'm in a bookstore i'm always thinking i need to just come in here sit down sometime and just write and i think a change in environment 
is very a very fundamental fundamental there we go i'm just making up words very fundamental <laughs> for that type of development to help the inspiration just help the growth in in, in general because that right. new even if it's not a new place to you it can be new to you as far as uh making art which would right. be writing and or drawing whatever yeah, and unfortunately, our community, as is, is we currently sit in our area, at least in uh, eastern Washington, it's uh, a bit boring. The scene is kind of eh. Um, and, you know, noth nothing wrong with uh, the desert. We kind of live in a scrubland. Um, I just mean, culturally, it's a bit bland. Uh, and you can really see the contrast when we took that trip to Bend, and that's why we're planning on eventually uh, moving down there. Um, it's just a, a far more interesting place. It's, it, it is a much more artistic community, and even while I was there, I didn't do any writing, but I felt inspired by the other artists that I saw. I felt inspired by the landscape, by the people, uh, and I feel like an idiot for not taking advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Now nah, I'm joking. Um, yeah, that's, that's another good thing, too, is finding the communities to do that, and that's actually something I wanted to see about doing i don't know too many writers though i i know me i know a lot of people who like to draw mainly but i don't know many yeah. people like to write but what i was thinking about um actually what i should say is what you just um made me think of trying was so i have a group of artists on instagram that i just started i'm still trying to figure out who else may want to join and it's a little little community of um, sorts where um, I'll post we'll post stuff in there from things we can draw um, like different pages that have these different art challenges and things that engage the community of seeing what they can draw or um, seeing just asking questions just talking to people and saying okay what do you want to improve as an artist what what do you think are your hang-ups and going from there and just engaging and seeing ways we can help each other and it just dawned on me too like that is what people do all the time with writing um there could be writing groups and now that i think about it, i'm sure i'm sure uh barnes and noble probably has something like that because i know they have a D D thing that they were doing uh well before COVID. Uh, but I mean, that's a good idea too. And there's a book that I stand by heavily is write the story. And it's produced by a company called Piccadilly. And for those who may not know, it is a book. There's a, it's a series of books, actually. And there's a couple other ones where it's like draw the story or whatever. There's a bunch of different versions of it. Uh, the one I have that I haven't finished yet, but I want to eventually is each page is a prompt so it has a title uh the first one is something i forgot it's called um the piano 
something. Wait, do I have oh, it on? Oh, is it a, a strange request at a piano bar? Yes. Yes, okay. that's it. Yeah, I uh, went ahead and looked this up. <laughs> good timing, too, because I, uh, I just pulled it out. So that was that was a good buffer in between that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've written about 10 pages. No, about 15. Yeah, 15 loosely. I just rounded it off. So... Um, I'm not, I don't know how many pages there are, but it's, it's thick. It's a thickums book, you know, with, with like three C's. So you have the story, uh, the title for it, a strange request at a piano bar, and then two, four, six, eight, ten, And then you have about 10, uh, words that you have to include in the story. And it's each page is a new prompt. So for instance, with a strange request at a piano bar, you have words you got to include like carnival, sprained, mask. Oxidation, awkward apple, juvenile, controversy, twirl, and sassafras. So what I admire a lot about this book is literally each page has a variety of words. They really took the time to make sure that these words don't really have much of anything in common, but it's a good inspiration to not only expand your vocabulary when you write stuff, because when you're a writer, you definitely want to make sure you have a good grasp of words. And often at times what I'll do is when I'm writing and I realize that I'm using a particular word too much, I'll look up synonyms. I'll just Google that word and type uh, synonyms and I'll go through the list and I'll go, okay, that one fits. And just in case, sometimes you do want to make sure the definition still fits what you're doing because oh, yeah, sometimes absolutely. the words may be close but not quite they may be mm -hmm. off just enough where it's like eh, that doesn't make sense anymore right but yeah writing these has been really fun and what i did was when i write these i'll underline the words too so i know where they're at and i honestly never had any issue fitting them in there like usually what i'll do is I'll go a sentence and see, can it fit there? No, then I'll go the next sentence and be like, okay, I got to make sure it fits here. So that way, every time, by the time I get to the end of the page, I had all the words in there. And it was fun. I never had any stressful situations regarding that. I mean, not everyone may be able to relate to that, but for me, I thought it was fun. Okay. Um, are there any specific writers or storytellers that you've found particularly uh, inspirational could be filmmakers uh poets you know just storytelling in general are there anybody any uh creators that you've found to be influential oh yeah there are so so many of them um gendy tartoski is one um particularly for the fact of when he does storytelling he especially being in the animation industry what you need to make sure you do is tell your story to the best of your ability, if that's what works best for it, is tell the story via showing it instead of telling it. Um, depending on the story, of course, but that's mainly Gendy Tartofsky's style. Is For a lot of times, um, he'll do that. I know Samurai Jack did that very well. Yeah, it's I, very a, visual. Right, they were able to balance that out very well. And he has, I don't know if you finished it yet, I think there's a, he has another show out called Primal, 
that if I remember correctly, or at least the first episode or so has no dialogue at all. And it's just strictly visual storytelling. Yep. And that can be tricky. Um, that's something you can do too in storytelling. Um, it can be tricky with how you do it in particular, especially if you're telling it first person or third person or whatever. But I tried to do a mixture of that because with my current story, I don't think I can do it exactly like that. There's sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I just need to tell this part from a narrator perspective. I think that fits best. But yeah, when I think about that type of stuff, I um, think of Gendy Tartoski, for instance. And what is his name? Uh, I've got to look up his name real quick. It's something Lake. I think it's Sam Lake. Let me see here. Yes. Uh, so Sam Lake, he's another um, writer that I really admire. He's the one behind, one of the main ones behind the Alan Wake uh, series. I'm not sure if he helped at all with Control, but... Alan Wake to this day is still one of my all-time favorite stories, and hopefully they finish it someday. Right. Um, but yeah, Sam Lake is another one, and uh, what is the guy behind the Mass Effect books? Drew Carpation. There we go. And Star Wars. Oh as well. yes, yeah, he did a uh, Darth Bane, and he also wrote Kotor two, I think. Yeah, buddy. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, because I looked up his, uh, his stuff the other day, too, just to see what all he did. But off the top of my head, those are three that I like a lot, and I don't think I've talked about them before. I mean, I've I've mentioned them before and talked about them regarding, like, other inspirations, but I don't... Well, either way, it's it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they they deserve to be uh, mentioned as as often as possible. <laughs> Could probably dedicate an entire podcast to them and themselves. Oh yeah, especially Sam Lake. Like I just if I didn't feel that if I if I wasn't compelled to just talk about whatever, I would definitely have a podcast dedicated to certain things. But then I'd have like a million podcasts that would eventually end, and that's just. Because you can only do so much on Alan Wake before it's like, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At least until the next one comes out. But yeah, it's just, I feel like doing it this way is the best way. But yeah, I, I want to do more episodes on Alan Wake just because it's just so fun to talk about. But yeah, those are some for me. Um, what about you? Uh, Drew Carpishan, um, Timothy Zahn, he's... Uh the mind behind the Thrawn books, both in Legends and Canon. Um, I've always appreciated uh, Frank Herbert's writing. Um, he wrote the Dune novels, uh, well, most of them. Anyways, his son and a co-writer have continued his legacy, if I recall. Um, Ooh, Tim Schafer as well. I really like Tim Schafer. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and trying to think of uh, any other influences. Um, not necessarily from, I mean, well, a little bit. Uh, I've 
I've appreciated a lot of the stuff that Ryan Johnson has put out, not just Star Wars, but I thought that Knives Out was a phenomenal film. And I'm really looking forward to the sequel. Uh, Ryan Johnson does really good character work, um, and he basically comes up with a problem for every character to have, and then works the story around that. And, you know, it, it comes with its pros and cons, but... Uh, especially looking at Star Wars, he looked at the main characters and came up with challenges uh, for their characters and and uh, wrote the, the story about that. So, yeah, Ryan Johnson. Um, uh, let's see. Really? That's, uh, that's about it? Um, I've actually been watching through Infinity Train, and I don't know who who wrote that or created it, but uh, really been enjoying that as well. So, props to whoever made Infinity Train. What do you uh, watch that on? Because I keep forgetting about that show. Uh, HBO. Oh, perfect. I have HBO. Okay. Yeah. Uh, looks like Owen Dennis is the creator. So, Owen Dennis. Gotcha. Yeah, because I... I'm going through... I'm, <laughs> I'm watching Boondocks currently because I just needed a stupid laugh. <laughs> In a good way, of course. It's it's one of those shows... You know, it's one of those satire shows, so they just make fun of a bunch of stuff. Right. Um, but, oh, he was a writer on Regular Show. Well, that would explain a lot. Oh, Regular Show. So good. I, I was actually tempted to rewatch that, too. But Infinity Train is going to be what I'm going to go to right after I finish Boondocks. It's pretty good. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Um, although it is surprisingly heart-wrenching. Oh, yeah. That's uh, why I went to... Particularly in, like, season three. Right. Yeah, that's why I went to Boondocks, because after finishing Loki, I'm like, oh, okay, I need, I need, some, I need some laughs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Loki as well. Um what a what a great series! Absolutely loved it. Um, what did you think of the finale, by the way? And no worries about spoilers. I already did a spoiler uh, review on it. So if you guys uh, don't want to hear it, just pause, watch the series, and come back. <laughs> I am very excited for the future of the MCU because Kang is set up to be the next Thanos type villain, right? Um, and it just. The links that uh, he who remains the the Kang variant of um, the Loki season finale fame uh, the the links that he went to to ensure that there wasn't a single way that uh, another one of him could come back into existence and destroy everything um, only for that to be undone by Sylvie is pretty intense uh so oh, yeah. i'm i'm very excited uh, reportedly loki was supposed to be one season um but because yeah. of covid it got split into two six episode uh i was about to bring that up too because i heard that as a rumor but i wasn't sure uh what you thought about that i think it makes sense um especially when you look at the other shows, because let me look that up real quick, unless you know, um, because WandaVision and Captain 
or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, those were longer, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, I think, like eight episodes long. And WandaVision, I'm looking at it now, had nine episodes. Now, granted, some, yeah, you know, not every story is going to be equal. Some can be shorter, some can be longer. But when you're con- when you <laughs> when you're comparing oh. the three, Loki would make sense. What's up? Oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier at six. Ah, okay. Well, it, when you when you compare these three, understandably, Loki's the bulkier one because I've mentioned this in my previous episodes where. Um, I, I appreciate it so much about all three of these shows because they're different and they cover different sides of the MCU where WandaVision covers more of the fantastical side of things dealing more with the family dynamic of what Wanda and Vision wanted as opposed to what they ended up unfortunately not getting and Wanda um, trying to create that and becoming essentially a Nexus event. Which is kind of hilarious because apparently that's supposed to happen because the TVA did nothing about it. At least, not yeah. Yet. So from from what I hear, uh, I haven't confirmed it personally, but Loki takes place before Wandavision. Right. Yeah, I forgot which, about that. Which explains why Wanda was able to cure her oh, children yeah. because that would be a separate multiverse that she's hearing them from. Yeah, yeah, dude. I I was so salty when I finished the Loki episode, like recording that podcast, because I ended it with a couple confusing things. As I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, with Loki going through the portal, with you know Sylvie throwing him through there, and he ends up with Mobius and B fifteen, not remembering him. I'm like, wait, what just happened here? Then I started to realize that's a different timeline. But then I thought, wait there can't be more TVA, more than one. Then I thought, of course there has to be now because of the, the multiverse. So, of course, I realized this. I brought, I touched upon it a little bit in the episode, but then after I finished it, it started to come to, it started to actually develop. And I thought, great, now I got to do another episode because I don't want to sound stupid on my own podcast, <laughs> which happens enough. So, but yeah, um, that makes sense that it would have to take place between Endgame and WandaVision. So that way it falls more into place. So yeah, because hopefully... Loki takes place immediately after uh, Defensive Endgame, which technically take place in 2012. But well, technically, yeah, then it operates like, outside of time. Yeah, it operates outside of time and then messes around. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, it, as of the meta timeline. Loki takes place between Endgame and WandaVision because WandaVision is six months after. Oh, yeah. And even then, it's a separate. Yeah, because technically, even then, it would still be its own thing because Loki, 2012 Loki was a different. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I mentioned this before, Endgame's time travel mechanic is cool. I know people hate on it for understandable reasons, but every time I talk about it, I'm like, wait a minute, this part, okay, whatever. But anyway, um, I liked how they all tackled different sides of the MCU, where there was WandaVision with that, Cap and Falcon, the, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, then becoming Cap and the Win- and a Winter Soldier was more of the political side, which is what the Cap yeah, stories always do. Some, uh... 
heavy real-world issues. Oh, yeah. And doing it the way they did, it didn't feel rushed or anything. And I felt it was well-contained, especially since it's going to, you know, all these stories are going to continue into movies. And with Loki, it's like there's so much happening right now. Definitely. And the way they ended it, it's like, yeah, six episodes definitely wasn't enough. And, of course, they all ended with cliffhangers, so to speak, Mm -hmm. where obviously there's more to happen. But Loki and WandaVision in particular ended on some pretty big things. And, um, crap, where was I going with that? (laughs) I got super excited and completely forgot where I was going with the whole uh, Loki thing. Um, Oh, right, right, right. So because of that, how did you, and even if, even if um, it was confirmed whether or not uh, season one and two were meant to be one season, how did you feel, and I, this is going back to the, the writing thing, how do you feel the way the finale was handled where it was mainly dialogue? Because I hear, um, I don't think it's divided the community per se, but I do hear uh, enough people that made me think about it where it was mainly dialogue people were complaining about that saying that's not how you should write a finale not realizing that it's not the finale it's just a season finale but yeah. anyway um how did you feel about it mainly being dialogue see even if it is a season finale i'm totally fine with it just being dialogue because that adds character development yes. and not all problems have to be solved with a grand, a grand scale and battle like look at uh the example of the vision versus white vision fight and then agatha and um wanda personally i found the vision stuff a lot more interesting because you know it started with a tussle but after a bit they came to a discussion got each other to think and then they solved their problem um, and I think that doesn't happen enough in, uh, superhero films or in, you know, comic books today in general. Uh, it used to be a lot more common, Yeah, but that they've, they've strayed away from that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I absolutely loved it. Um, oh, what's the actor who played Kang? Uh, Jonathan... Jonathan My- Majors. No. Majors, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan Majors uh absolutely loved his performance. Um thought he did a very good job with this sort of bored, erratic, uh slightly insane kind of guy. He's a little bit fun. <laughs> yeah, he's lived like a million lifetimes and he is done. Uh and I I absolutely adored the season finale i thought it was spectacular excellent i felt the same way and that's what i was trying to defend in my in that podcast episode too where i can understand both sides and when you are writing these scenes you want to make sure that even if even if it is a finale you don't want to sacrifice the quality of it for action for keeping the short attention span that a lot of people have in our day and age Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that what the story is where the story is going it's true 
to the characters that are living through it. Now, with the Loki finale, it made sense the way it was because, yes, Loki and Sylvie were coming in to throw hands, and they did throw hands. <laughs> they, Sylvie multiple times tried to kill He Who Remains until she finally did. But at you know once she realized, okay, she has to wait either for the right moment or maybe whatever, something else maybe has to happen. He explains what's happening and why things are the way they are that had to happen we otherwise what's what's to be gained from this interaction if we're not gonna know what's the what's the point of loki and sylvie getting mm -hmm. to this point sylvie's whole life has been dedicated to taking down the tva because they took her life they yeah. erased her whole world her whole universe from her yeah and then and loki has his answers. yeah and of course, Loki has his thing too, where he's on on the he's on the mind frame of he wants to define his fate. He who obviously he doesn't want to end his life choked up by Thanos, like our OG Loki, unfortunately, got. He wants to live his life. He does not want to be. He doesn't want to be the old Loki as he was before, where no one likes him. He doesn't want to be the god of mischief. Uh, like he was before i should say so now you have these two characters that are united under a similar goal to both figure out okay what's the tva tva thinking what are they after and how can we come out of this without dying <laughs> so they're figuring out things that he, he uh he who remains is explaining them okay this is how it is and what he's had to sacrifice to do all this and the thought i had was um, one critique I had with this scene is this could have, I, I did admire how with his wrist device, he did show these figures of him interacting with his variants. And I thought that was cool. Um, my thought process though, is I think it would have been a little cooler if he showed, you know, short flashbacks as he, as he was narrating. I think that would have been actually a better oh, thing, but Either way, I think it's a take it or leave it type scenario. Like either way, he's still visually showing us these snippets. As short as those moments were, it's still a nice touch and it's different. Right. And either way, we're still getting what we want. We're still getting that story. And either way, the best thing to do was to tell it because we're... How else is he going to explain it to Loki and Sylvie what's going on? He has to explain. So either way, we were going to have to get that dialogue. You know, there's no real re... I mean, he maybe through technology could have just showed us it. But even then, you still would have had to still explain it. You know, you, yeah. you do have and to have expedition, exposition dumps eventually in a story this deep. <laughs> yeah, and we as an audience have had so many questions, you know, for, for starters who made the TVA, who made the Timekeepers, why the TVA is in existence, because the characters themselves have those questions. Uh, we have Mobius having a existential crisis, realizing that he he isn't who he's been led to believe. Uh, there, there's so many answers that need to be given. Um, and to throw that away for an epic battle scene just feels like a huge disservice uh, yeah. to everything that's been set up. 
Um, it wouldn't have made sense because Kang is, he's conniving, he's strategic, he's, he offered them two opportunities, either kill me and the whole thing that I've been trying to prevent happens and uh, you, you just run into me again, but you run into the big bad that I've been trying to, you know, protect everyone against or you take over for me. And yeah. either way, you get what you or doing that preferably is the better thing. But, you know, I'm giving you this option, too, because obviously, right, you, and you disagree with me killing all of these innocent universes, but, you know, the, for the greater good. Yeah. And think about who Loki is. Um, his most dangerous weapon isn't a dagger. It's not telekinesis. It's not mind control. It's the fact that he's a talker. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's deceptive. So, coming down to a conf a physical confrontation between Kang and Loki wouldn't feel terribly genuine uh, to his character, I, I feel personally. Uh, especially with the character who already knows what you're going to do. Because he's basically predestined everything up until a certain point. Uh, and then, of course, once that time runs out, he is killed uh, by Sylvie. But before that, it just wouldn't make sense. Right. And the the division between the two Lokis was a good twist. Because throughout the, ser throughout the series, as they eventually team up, you, you kind of wonder, okay, are they going to become the best of friends? Are they going to be at odds for the entirety of it? Or what's going to happen? And as they start to get close, he, like, um, he remains low-key, pun intended, kind of turns them against each other. And Sylvie ends up, well, doing what she feels best, which is getting Loki out of the way so she's not forced to kill him to um, kill Hero Who Remains and create the multiverse it's because she just doesn't believe what he's saying to be true. And I feel that was a good, that was a good twist on top of finding out that, oh, he, he was telling the truth. <laughs> and then the big reveal with Loki ending up not being transported to his correct TVA, but now in this uh, alternate one where Kang is in place of the um, timekeepers, the statue, instead of the timekeepers, it's, it's him there instead. So it's like, oh boy, yeah. these guys okay. don't even know Loki. They, like, they had no interaction with him, so it's like, oh no. So I think this type of storytelling shows that you, you, you don't want to use action as a crutch when you're writing a story. Even when you have something that's as grand as this, we all know eventually there's going to be conflict and fight scenes that um, fit. You, you want to make sure this all makes sense and isn't just random. And the fight between Loki and Sylvie made sense. They're divided because they're on two different sides of this debate. Do we continue dooming these multiverses to oblivion to prevent us all dying or do we just not trust them because 
literally Sylvie's been lied to her whole life, so why would she trust he remains? And that is excellent storytelling. And I mean, we were getting a whole new season, so there's plenty more action <laughs> for those people right. who want that. But um and we've been getting that pretty heavily throughout the rest of the series too. Like it's been I think it's been peppered pretty well between um that and the um story development. And I mean it's not it's not Avengers, it's it's not something that's meant to be just solely action. It's mainly meant to develop the next saga. Yeah. It's a setup um, for everything that's going to be coming. Yeah, and it's also Loki's story. How he becomes someone who started off as a person who didn't feel... Um, it started off as a, as a prince who didn't feel he was... He fit in. He felt like he was in the shadow of Thor, essentially. And then becomes the bad guy. And then eventually becomes more of an anti-hero, then I would say by the end of season one is a broken hero. Because now that Sylvie betrayed him, who knows what kind of mentality he could be by the end, or by the start of season two. Yeah. And whatever comes, uh, for sure, at least judging by the end of season one, he's terrified. Oh, yeah. And he, he's... He's coming in, and he's not concerned about himself. He's telling the DVA that they need to prepare for war. Right. Uh, which is uh, just fantastic. And that's a cool way to do a villain as well, where with Thanos, it was a slow burn. You know, he, we first found out he was going to be a thing at the end of the first Avengers at that last credit scene after... Actually, it was before the shawarma scene. It was like the first end credit mm -hmm. scene. Yes, And then every Avengers movie leading up to Guardians of the Galaxy, um, we saw more and more of him. And then we saw like his first like full-on scene in Guardians. And then he came in just like guns blazing in Infinity War, just killing pretty much everyone who was in his way. And with Kang, we have this um, slow burn. But his, I feel is not as slow and i'm not I'm, I'm not i'm not just referring to the fact that you know thanos was teased for a decade kang is more of a slow burn where we pretty much had theorized he was going to come um by the moment we found out that the tva was going to be a big part of loki then we started thinking okay more time travel who else is a time traveler <gasps> kang so finally we have more we have more things sprinkled with um Alliance, then we had Renslayer, people who are also connected to Kang, and then we finally get that reveal in the last episode. And then we get that story development of how strong, how powerful, how dangerous Kang is, and not just Kang himself, but also the variants, like how literally one man <laughs> and multiple versions of himself, countless versions of himself, started a war that would wipe out everything 
Thanos only wanted to wipe out half of everything. <laughs> so yeah. that's a good way of establishing the next big bad. You take what the last person did, and you just make it worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know, you Thanos' repercussions are very, uh, you know, ends justify the means kind of thing. Whereas Kang seems a lot more chaotic, a lot uh, a lot more ruthless. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. And it wasn't until Endgame that Thanos was like, you know what? You guys, you Avengers, I'm tired of y'all. I'm just going to... that." It was only then, when they interfered, that he was like, I'm just going to start everything from just atoms. I'm mm -hmm. not even wiping half. I'm wiping everything, and I'm going to be, you know, the start of everything. And um, with Kang... Like you were saying, you know, he's definitely more ruthless. But then again, this was this was 2012 Thanos. He, I would, I would argue, he's different from the Thanos that was killed at the end of Endgame. He was more. Yep. He was uh, a, he was a warrior Thanos. Yeah, yeah. Endgame or Infinity War Thanos was more. What's the word? I guess more empathetic, almost. Yeah, absolutely. More uh, noble-minded. Right. And that's the good thing, too, is um, it's nice to see that with Kang. And this is like this is good writing, too, where you can think of how to write a good villain. You know, sometimes you could just you can just have a villain where it's like, you know, what? I don't care. I just want to see the world burn. And then you have. Villains like Thanos, where he's like the, the greater, the, the lesser of two evils, where I'm wiping all of these people, these innocent you know, millions, trillions of innocent people just to make sure we all don't wipe ourselves out. It's it's a similar story with Kang. He's wiping, or he who remains, he's wiping all of these people, these timelines, multiverse, he's wiping all of this out from ever existing just so at least, at least one timeline can make it out okay. Because the one with Kang, he, he's like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure he... I'm sure King doesn't want everything to be wiped out, but he, I'm sure he doesn't realize that what he does would do that. And he would probably keep going, but then stop before it happens or something. I don't know, but I just like how there's, I, I like how the story is similar, but you change a few different things and it becomes this whole new grander scheme of things where in my podcast episode, I was literally like Thanos who? <laughs> Like Kang is just whoa. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's scary in a way that Thanos wasn't. Right. And that's what I wanted to um that's why I wanted to bring that part up too is and emphasize the similarities between the two and the differences is when you're writing these characters, sometimes changing just the slightest of things can make a whole new character. The big what if? And I mean, it, it, it couldn't have been in a more perfect spot being a multiverse story now. So there you are. It's it, when, 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 develop, when developing characters, sometimes it can be really just that simple. Coming from someone who loves making characters. Yeah, it's it's it. As soon as I saw how this story is playing out, I didn't know there was like a council of Kangs in the comics. Kind of like the Council of Reeds, but, you know, bad. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wow, there's... 
um and in the in the in the comics the there's a council of kangs that actually um is around to destroy kangs who deviate from uh whatever i don't know if it was how the TVA operates, like just variants who mess things up, or if it's just, hey, you're not a bad Kang, you're you're gone. But that's what I mean mm-hmm. too. Like, it's from what we're seeing with the comics and this, you know, clearly there there may have been a council. I mean, there was like a council of these guys at one point, but obviously they couldn't get along and fought. So that's what I that's what I appreciate too from this story is the comics and the MCU is now very similar. It pays attention to the source material, but then flips it on its head. So we go in not fully expecting what's going to happen. And that's what I like, too, when people write stories based off of source material is pay attention to it. (laughs) Don't go crazy with it. You know, make sure that you are being respectful towards the source material. Because a lot of people, when they don't do that, it blows up in their face. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Oof. Uh, I was on a Stanley soap soapbox there for a second. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's all good. Um, so I'm actually about to talk to somebody about potentially picking up a uh, a portable typewriter. So I might uh, <laughs> nice and thanks here, and then we can pick it up later. Thanks for uh, talking, man. I really appreciate it. Oh uh, yeah, definitely a pleasure for having you on. Um. Next time, um, I guess if we think about anything else to relate to writing, what else we can do and go from there, um, I mean, you can always uh, bring up more things. Because with writing, there's always something new that we can discover or work on or just talk about the projects more in depth, and that may inspire more people too. So, Cool. All right. Y'all take care now. Have a good one. You too. Alrighty. How do you end this thing? I have no idea. I don't use this on. Uh... Oh, here it goes. I okay. have no idea. All right. I got it.
crap. Another chapter concludes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to help support it by leaving a rating if possible, subscribing, and sharing the podcast with others. That way more people can see it, whether it's either from you or in their suggestion feed. And if you leave a review on the show, you'll get a shout out in the next episode. But due to my podcasts being available not just on multiple platforms, but multiple countries, to ensure I see a rating, uh, either send me a, an email with the subject AOK Radio or messaging me on Instagram, which is i.escape.i. So my social medias, my other social medias, I should say, and other projects like I Believe in Monsters, my short story narrations, and more are linked in the show notes below. And feel free to message me with any suggestions for future episodes. And if you ever want to be featured on one as well to talk about whatever subject, Hit me up there as well. Special shout out for Emac for uh, producing the beat. Always love you. That is used as my outro and the song featured in my EP Canvas District. The intro song used is titled The Unstoppables, produced by me. A link to all those is also in the show notes. This is AOK Radio, signing off. There is always more to seek. So, Go forth and seek it.